So glad that you're here today. We do have guests. We want you to know that you're welcome here always. We want you to be able to come back every opportunity that you have. And uh, we'd like for you to stay after the service just a little while. Let us get to meet you and to know you just a little bit better. I regret that I was not able to be here last Sunday to hear Brother Jerry Martin, but we were scheduled uh, about two years ago to speak at the New Hope Congregation in their Pack the Pew Sunday. But... uh, uh, we were able to do that, enjoyed ourselves there, but I understand that Brother Jerry did an excellent job talking about caregiving and caregivers, and so we're so thankful uh, for him being able to do that for us. I want to begin this morning by asking you a very, very personal question, and I want you to answer it in your own mind. You don't have to answer it out loud. I want you to answer it, though, in your own mind. I want you to be very careful about the way that you answer this question question is simply this, when was the last time you practiced the golden rule? Now, I don't have to tell you what the golden rule is, do I? Everybody knows what the golden rule is. It's found in Matthew chapter 7 at verse number 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do you also to them, is the way that it's put in the English Standard Version. We've heard it, you know, if we've been around very long at all, we've heard it probably a hundred or a thousand times or more. We know what the golden rule is. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is the way that we have shortened that rule. Let me ask you a question this morning, though. How many of you know where that title, golden rule, came from? We can't turn to a passage in the Bible that says, this is the golden rule, and then we read from Matthew chapter 7 at verse number 12. But somewhere along the way, the title, golden rule, came into practice and If I understand it correctly, that title, the Golden Rule, came into practice in about the 3rd century A.D. There was a Roman emperor by the name of Severus who had been taught the Golden Rule, as we will call it, refer to it today, who had been taught what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 at verse number 12 by uh, the Christians and by some of the Jewish people even before that, uh, that he had been associated with. And so... He wanted to practice what we call the golden rule, and in so doing, he had it inscribed inside his palace on his walls in gold. And then we have what he had in Matthew chapter 7 at verse number 12. He also had it inscribed on certain public buildings, we're told. And so the term, the golden rule, seems to have come or sprung from what took place at that time. It was that rule that he had in his palace that was inscribed in gold that he sought to practice every single day. Wouldn't it be good if all of us practiced the golden rule every single day? If everybody in the world practiced the golden rule every single day. Like Severus, if we were to practice that and if everybody else was to practice that, would you not agree that the world would be a much, much, much better place in which we are to live. But this morning, as we think about the golden rule, what exactly did Jesus mean? When he spoke those words that we read in Matthew chapter 7 at verse number 12, what is the command that, that he is giving us? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Let's think about that this morning. As I contemplate it, I think, number one, Jesus meant for us to take our our eyes off of ourselves. When we think about 
us, we think about the most popular subject, don't we? Uh, Someone has said, and I haven't studied this to be sure, I haven't actually counted, but someone has said that the most used word in the English language is the word I. I do this, I do that. For each of us, we ourselves are usually our favorite subject, aren't we? When we begin talking to other folks, we we generally tend to bring the conversation back to ourselves somehow, don't we? For example, say you've got some fisherman that begins to tell one of his buddies about the fish that he caught. You know, he caught a fish that was this big, and his buddy somehow brings it back around to him. Well, that's not as big as the one I caught. You know, he, he manages to get the conversation turned back to himself. Or it may be, you know, someone who, who is talking about uh, the new gadget that he got or the new car that he got or, or the new house that he got. Well, we like it and we, we tell them, man, that's beautiful, but let me tell you about mine. You know, I had one like that or I'm getting one that's better than yours or something like that. But we get back to ourselves, don't we? We can't even talk about our aches and pains without bringing the conversation back to us. You know, my back hurts. Well, you know what? Mine hurts too, doesn't it? And so we, we tend to have us as the favorite subject of our conversations. I, again, being probably the most used word in the English language. If you don't believe that we are stuck on ourselves, just walk into a room and hear someone laughing when you walk in the room. Who are they laughing at? Well, you know who they're laughing at. They're laughing at me. You know, if I walk in the room, somebody starts laughing, they're laughing at me. Has to be us, doesn't it? Well, the fact is, they probably haven't even given us thought. They, they may not even have noticed that we walked in, but we think it is us because we're thinking about us, right? How much time every day do you spend thinking about you? How much time do you spend thinking about you? Again, going back to those conversations, it is estimated that about 60% of conversations that we have on a daily basis revolves around us. That means if we were talking for 10 minutes, six of those minutes would be about us. Six would be about us. When you go to social media, you know, Facebook and uh, all of these other social media, Twitter uh, Twitter and Instagram and all these other things, it is also estimated that about 80% of information that people put on there is about themselves. You know, it boggles my mind how many selfies people can take and post. I mean, just think about that. If you've been on social media, you know, they get it from every angle. I don't know how they get some of them. But they post them on there. See me! Look at my new whatever. Look at me! It's all about us. Many people believe that We are the standard for how we treat others. Didn't Jesus say, whatever you wish that 
someone would do to you, you do that for them? We think that Jesus, tend to think at least, that Jesus was putting me as the standard of how people are to be treated in the world. While you're thinking about that, I want you to think a little bit deeper. Uh, If people, if I treat people just the way I am, they have to be, respond positively toward me, but what about that old boy, that, that, that girl that's always super critical? They're, they're blunt, you know, to a fault. Uh, they want people to tell it to them just like it is, or at least that's the way they act because that's the way they do it. Uh, when I started thinking about that, I thought about a story that I heard a long, long time ago when I was a child. I heard a preacher preaching about tact, and he talked about the old drill sergeant that didn't have very much tact at all, and so whenever one of the men in his group, whenever one of their men, the men had a relative to pass away, he would just come out, you know, as they were lined up and said, Smith, your mother died. Or, Smith, your, your brother died. You know, and be very gruff about it. And the reaction of some of these guys were is that, you know, weren't expecting it. Nothing was wrong, and, you know, they just passed out. So finally, one of his superiors said, uh, Sergeant says, you've got to be a little more tactful. You've got to change the way you're doing that. And so he thought about it a little bit and agreed and decided that he would. So the next time he had the occasion to tell someone of the passing of a loved one, He tells his men to line up, and as they do, he said, Everyone with a living mother, please take one step forward. Smith, take one step back. A little blunt. We sometimes think people want to be treated in exactly the same way. They respond to the exact same things that we do. But that's not not really the case, is it? Is practicing the golden rule what the sergeant was doing or what the gruff person was doing? Do you see a problem? Or at least it might be a problem to treat someone exactly the way that I want to be treated. You know, not everybody thinks that we're to treat others the way that we want to be treated. Some people think that the other person is the standard. That we're to treat others the way they want to be treated and we alone. But consider our society today. One of the big things in our society today that has filtered even into the Lord's church is the idea of don't judge me. Don't say anything negative to me. Don't hurt my feelings in any way. And we've reached the point of having to have safe rooms and safe places and coloring books and all kinds of things to to keep our feelings from being hurt. We sometimes tend to think that the other person is the standard. You know, that's, that's not really a good one, I don't think. Suppose there's a person who's swimming and there's some danger in the water and someone yells out to that person that there's a danger and that person says, don't judge me, I, I know what I'm doing out here. I don't think that's exactly the way we'd want to treat folks. Well, if we're not the standard of how we're to treat others and 
the other person is not the standard of how to treat others. Maybe we understand that the truth behind the golden rule is that God is the standard of how we treat people. It's not me. It's not you. It's God who's the standard of how we treat people. I want you to think about that verse again. If you have your Bible, you may want to look into it. I don't have it on the screen this morning, but I want you to see it in your own Bible. If you're reading from the English Standard Version, that passage begins so. So. If you're reading from some other translations, you may see that it begins something like this. Therefore, and then it tells us what the information that is there. So, or therefore. I've often said, and you've heard me say it before, that whenever you see the word therefore, you stop and see what it's there for. In other words, what we're saying this morning is, is that when we see something like that in the Scriptures, we automatically are to understand that it's pointing us backward, usually, to something that has just been said. And that is the case in this passage as well. Uh, When it's written down for us, so or therefore, we need to back up a little bit and see what is being spoken about there. Now you remember this morning that Luke, when he came and did a fine job in reading to us from the book of Matthew chapter 7, that he read beginning with the passage that, that talks about asking, seeking, and knocking. Back there in verse uh, 7 of that uh, uh, Matthew chapter 7, he read all the way down through verse number 12, the text for our lesson this morning. But remember what he said. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And then Jesus, he says, uh, let me illustrate that for you. Illustration is this. How many of you, if you have family member, have a child who, who comes and, and, and asks something from you or knocks on your door seeking something? How many of you, parents, if you had a child doing that, how many of you wouldn't respond to that? Most of us do. Sometimes people respond to the point of putting themselves and doing damage to the other person, but we respond Then he says, really want you to think about God. I want you to think about God. Don't you think he can do it better? If you're looking at that passage, remember what he said. He said, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He says, Think about yourself in comparison to God, and he calls us evil. When I see the word evil, I think about somebody who's mean. Think about somebody who's malicious. I think about somebody who is wicked, you know. But that's not exactly the word that he uses here. There is a word in the original language that does uh, indicate that, but this is not that word in the original translated evil here, but this word means something like diseased, culpable, derelict. In other words, lacking a sense of duty. That's the definition of the word derelict. It's almost as if he's saying us, telling us here that 
When we give, we don't always do it as we're supposed to. We're imperfect. Sometimes we just don't hear. Sometimes we may not be able to give everything that one would ask of us. But we're imperfect in the way that that we're able to give. But God is not. That's his point that he's making for us here. Since God's the way, uh, God is this way in giving to us, it ought to be the way that we should strive to be toward others. You see, he points us back to God as being the standard. It's not me who's the standard of how to treat others, just doing to others the things that I want to uh, done to me. It's not just doing what they want done. Sometimes people just want to be left alone. Sometimes they don't need to be left alone. It's the standard that God uses when He deals with people that He wants us to use when we deal with His people. Did you notice something else? He said when we do this in verse number 12, we we don't a lot of times focus on that, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. We don't a lot of times focus on the last part of that verse. He says, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. You see, he points us back to God's standard in the Old Testament. But can you remember in the New Testament another time when Jesus would use that same language when he said, this is the law and the prophets? You remember an occasion when a man asked him, said, what's the first and great commandment? And Jesus' eventual reply was, what? We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. This is the first and great commandment. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the second great commandment. Jesus would conclude that by saying, this is the law and the prophets. You see, what happens is, Jesus gives us the standard in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12, that had already been set that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves based on our love for God. Love God with all of our heart, number one, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the standard There are other passages that bear this out. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, we're all the way back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 at verse number 12. What we call the golden rule is actually tied to what Jesus called one of the two great commandments. To love our neighbors ourselves based upon our love for God. In Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4, we have some additional information about treating how we're to treat others. Paul writes and says, Do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. 
let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. See, he's talking about others. And then in verse number 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? The mind of treating others above ourselves, thinking of them above ourselves. The only way that we can accomplish treating others the way God wants us is to do what Jesus did, which is laid out for us in the next couple of verses in Philippians chapter 2, to empty ourselves of ourselves. Just as Jesus emptied himself and came down from heaven to live and die for you and me. So when we think about practicing the golden rule, have we practiced it lately? We go back to that original question. Because what we call the golden rule means for us not to treat people the way, just the way we want to be treated or just the way they want to be treated, but to treat them the way that God wants us to treat them. And so this morning, Jesus meant for us to take our eyes off of ourselves, but he also meant very quickly for us to actually do something for others. To actually do something for others. Did you realize that most world religions have something akin to the golden rule as a part of their teachings? For example, in Confucianism, writings of Confucius, they say this, Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. The Hindus have this, this is the sum of duty. Do not do to others what would cause pain if pain, uh, to pain if done to you. Buddhism says, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. Even in the Jewish religion, they have a, tra- uh, a tradition. In the Jewish religion, uh, there was supposedly an occasion between uh, one who was a foreigner and two of the great rabbis, two of the great teachers of the past, those before even Jesus' time, one by the name of Hillel, the other by the name of Shammai. Uh, this uh, foreigner came to Shammai first and he asked him about uh, converting to Judaism to be a proselyte. He said, I'll convert to Judaism if you can teach me the whole Torah while I stand on one foot. And it said that Shammai pushed him away with his staff, and so he went to Hillel and asked him the same question. He said, if you can teach me the whole uh, uh, Torah while I stand on one foot, then I'll convert to Judaism. And Hillel is supposed to have said to him in the writings of the Jews, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That's the whole Torah. All of the rest of it is commentary. Go and learn. And so, you see, he has sort of summed up what Jesus said. But did you note that there is a really big difference in what's found in Confucianism, Hinduism, Buddhism, and even Judaism? You see, they say, do not do. Do not hurt. Do not do to others what you do not want done to you. 
That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, do to others. Everyone but Jesus seems to take the negative approach. Don't do something. But Jesus says, do something. Now let's see if that makes any difference. Suppose there's this lady who was not a really good lady, but for some reason she gets sick and goes into a coma, spends six months in a coma. And after six months, she passes away. And the preacher gets up and he talks about her earlier life. But then he says, for the past six months, he says, uh, she, she lived a good life. She's in a coma, mind you. She lived a good life. She didn't cheat anybody. She didn't steal anything. She didn't murder anyone. She didn't say any bad words. Didn't give anybody a cussing. For the last six months, she practiced the golden rule in the way that some people believe that it's to be practiced. Folks, this woman didn't do anything. And that's not what Jesus meant. That we're not to do anything. You see, the best thing to do, if, if that's what the golden rule means to us, is just to stay away from everybody and everything. <laughs> to go to sleep and be in a coma. But Jesus demands we take action. That's the difference in Christianity and the rest of the world take on it. Jesus said do. Seems to demand that we look for opportunities to do good. You see, we do good because that's what God is, does. We're active. Ask. Seek. Knock. Knock. What's going to happen? Doors open. Ask. It'll be given. Seek. Somebody's going to make it possible for you to find. God's the one behind it, being active. That's what we're to do. Do you remember the writing of Paul, Galatians chapter 6 at verse 10? So relative to the good uh, golden rule. Therefore, or so then, depending upon which translation you're reading from, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Do good. Not think about it. Do good. Practicing the golden rule requires that we sometimes go out of our way to help people. If I'm thinking about, well, you know, I really just like to be left alone, so I'm going to treat people that way, I'm not going out of my way to help anybody. <coughs> Practicing the golden rule means we sometimes will be inconvenienced. 
Folks don't always have needs on our schedule. If you're a preacher of the gospel and you work with a congregation, you understand that. If you've been around folks and you've practiced the golden rule, you understand that. Sometimes we ourselves may be inconvenienced because we want to be doers. Doers of what's good. That's what Jesus told me to do. Do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Practicing the golden rule means we may sometimes have to change our plans. Practicing the golden rule means that sometimes it'll cost us. But it's worth it. Doing what Jesus said. There's a poem that I want to read to you. It's written by Margaret E. Sangster. Not Margaret Sanger. She's a totally different person connected with the beginning of Planned Parenthood. But Margaret E. Sangster. It isn't the thing you do, dear. It's the thing you leave undone that gives you a bit of heartache at the setting of the sun. The tender word forgotten, the letter you did not write, the flowers you did not send, dear, are the haunting ghost at night. The stone you might have lifted out of a brother's way, the bit of heartsome counsel you were hur- uh, too hurried too much to st- say. The loving touch of the hand, dear, the gentle winning tone, which you had no time nor thought for, with troubles enough of your own. The title of that work is The Sin of Omission. And a lot of times that's exactly what we do when we think we're practicing the golden rule. We fail to do rather than being active in doing. So go back to that original question this morning. When was the last time you practiced the golden rule? If you've been trying to practice it solely based on what you would want, chances are you haven't been practicing it. If you've been trying to practice it based solely on what you think others might want, you probably haven't been practicing it. If you've been trying to practice the golden rule by not doing things that you wouldn't want done to you, you definitely haven't been practicing what's called the golden rule because nowhere did Jesus direct us to do that. We need to remember this morning that the key word in the golden rule is do. Active. Keep on doing to others. So I want to challenge all of us today, every day from this day forward, to try to think of a good deed, merciful action that each of us can do for someone else. Let them become the focus of our life. Let them be the ones that we reach out to. And in so doing, may we save ourselves and others who are around us. In doing so, I believe more and more opportunities to share the gospel will come our way when we practice simply the golden rule. What greater thing could we ever do for someone than to show them 
the way of how to be saved. It may be this morning that you and your life have never become obedient to your Lord. You've never been baptized for the remission of your sins and you understand this morning that you need to be baptized to meet Jesus, to contact, contact His blood that washes your sins away. Maybe you want to do that. We want to help you. The water's ready. We can bury you in baptism even today. Maybe you're here today and you've been a Christian for perhaps some time, but your life's not right with God. Something has separated you and Him, and you want to come back to Him. If you need the prayers of the church or we can help you in any way this morning, why don't you come as together we